0: Do you believe in ghosts? Ghosts?
1: Yeah, sure, I believe in
0: People of Earth,
1: if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet.
2: Plan boy Planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. Might be a Trekkie. <laughs> Sit back and watch as the Uber Geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy,
3: baby.
4: Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. With your host, well, it's just me tonight. This is Rick Brett Snyder, your podcast producer, and I'm putting together all the clips of interviews that we did from last week's Cinequest Film Festival in San Jose, California. We have four interviews for you with everybody from indie to established legends in film. We've got Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence freaking Kasdan who is he is Mr. Star Wars he is the guy who's saying what everyone in Star Wars is going to say and we're not just talking about Empire Strikes Back we're talking about The Force Awakens and beyond that he's done some other little films like oh I don't know Body Heat and Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Big Chill and well we'll we'll get on with that then we've got three independent films that you've probably not heard about unless you've been on our website reading the reviews. These are The Cast of Clue, a kind of mind-bender independent film, House on Pine Street, which is what horror should be for the 21st century, and finally, we have an interview with a young lady from Australia, the best coming-of-age Post apocalyptic film you've ever seen. So, without any further ado, and because no amount of fanfare that I could put together would do him justice, let's go right to the Fanboy Planet podcast. Interview with Lawrence Kasdan. We're here
1: is the with Lawrence Kasdan, who's received the Maverick Spirit Award and is gracing us with a few minutes of conversation. So, first question I have for you is Is what drove you to uh, some jobs you have got, you were obviously asked to do, but you've explored so many different genres on your own. What yeah. drives you and attracts you to those different
0: genres?
5: Yeah. I always look at the material as is this a movie that I want to see? Does it speak to me? Is, will the world be. Um, Enriched in any way, shape, or form, by this story being told, and given so many other kinds of stories that are being told, is this some kind of um, new perspective on the issues that interest me you know are these is this a an antidote to some of the things that I think are terrible that are being you know the focus of so many stories so it's like is there a voice for people for humans for human emotion for the complexity of life you know for um things not being one way or the other which is the way the culture seems to be going where everything has to be up or down you know good or bad and it's not like that life is not like that Mm -hmm. and as was pointed out a little while, you know you've collaborated
1: with actors like william hurd and kevin klein over and over and obviously returning to harrison ford a little bit here Does your writing for character shift when you already know the actor or has your vision of who the actor is going to be in that role shift as you write?
5: I think if you know, and it hasn't happened that often that I've written for somebody, sometimes I've come back to the same people after I've written the script, but um, when you know who's playing the part, then it does affect the final touches, you know, the final polishing, you know that Certain actors have certain strengths, and that they're going to be able to do something great, you know that they can convey something very subtle and um, without doing much and you say okay i 'm going to take the strengths of that actor and use them to my benefit Wow, at this point
1: I, you know you 're developing an fX show and I don't want to get back to that are, mm-hmm. are there any projects or genres you've wanted to work on but haven 't gotten to yet
5: Oh, I think so <laughs> I think that it's not so much about genre, it's about the kind of movies, you know, because genre means one thing to me, you know, and, and <laughs> I've been very lucky and I've been able to make westerns and I've been able to make film noir. But kinds of movies, there are endless varieties, you know, and they all sort of interest me. And so, you know, you go to the movies that you love and you say, could I make something in that field, you know, in that field of force, mm-hmm. you know, if 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 you love um, rules of the game, you know, is there a way to do rules of the game now? And why does it speak to you? You know, and Paths of Glory or Lawrence of Arabia or you know, shampoo. So out of the past, so you say there's a lot of movies to be made, and is there something that I can do that would fulfill that for me?
1: Uh, as a director and as a writer you handled that question very well the panel about not choosing your favorite but which of the films do you think came closest as a director to the one that was in your head
5: um I think they all do and it just happens that what's in your head may not be right for the world you know sometimes (laughs) you have actually achieved what you intended to do and the world rejects it it happens you know and um that doesn't make you dislike the movie or make you feel that you've wasted your time. It makes you think that there's a lot of factors that, about why the world receives a movie. And a lot of it has to do with timing and culture and things you have no control over. All you can do is pursue your own interests passionately.
1: Now, without any spoilers on The Force Awakens, how, what has it been like to return to the Star Wars universe after so much Time. it's
5: been fun but it's been fun mainly because i've liked working with jj abrams he's been a fun collaborator and of course it's fun knowing that oh, a lot of people are waiting to see a movie you know you make a lot of movies where no one's waiting to see it here there's a lot of interest in it and um you know and you want to f- you don't need everybody to love it because that's never going to happen but what you do need is you need People to feel you did your best and you tried really hard to make a good Star Wars movie.
1: Okay. Would you return to Indiana Jones? As they talk about doing?
5: I don't. Doesn't have a lot of appeal to me. I want to do some new stuff.
1: And, and one of the new things you're developing with FX is a drama about uh, the Chandra Levy case. Yes, which was kind of local to here. Uh, you know, she was from Modesto. Yes. So, um, you know, uh, you joined what you called the preview cable zeitgeist, Tom. Yes. Uh, so. Um, where are we going to go from here? What's going to be the future of Well, television be is
5: so good it's for the most part so much better than movies. It just seems that it, it can take on anything, and it's so malleable to time form. you know it can be a six hour thing, it can be seven years, it can be one good two hour event you know and so and it doesn't depend on Friday opening night. So that opens up the field enormously in terms of um, the kind of material you can take on. And that show will play again and again and again and again in various different forms. And if it's a difficult subject, or it's, it's going to find its audience eventually. you know, It's really aiming at specialized audiences. And that's a great freedom.
1: Yeah, and, and you came in at a time, or, or you were First successes came in at a time when, as you said, George Lucas was revel- revolutionizing film, yeah. and I think we're—I at I don't know—we'll call it a revolution. We'll run another shift right now. Yes. Where do you see it going? Well, Are now we've going to be actually
5: effect, achieved right? that. We've actually achieved what we used to just talk about, which is that for two hundred dollars, you can go into a store, buy a camera, and shoot a movie. Two hundred bucks. You know? Now if you want a little better picture, a little better sound, it'll cost you a little more. But basically there's no excuse for not making a movie now. If you really want to make one, it's available to everybody. I can do it on my phone. I do. I mean I make a movie of my grandchildren and it doesn't look that different from other movies. (laughs)
1: All right. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Okay. Sorry. Just one more
0: interview.
4: Wow. Okay. So just to recap, Lawrence Kasdan says, not interested in writing the next series of Indiana Jones movies. And the one I loved was TV is so much better than movies. So now we're going to go on to our first independent film. This is Clue, spelled C-L-E-W. And this is a film that kind of evokes some of the aspects of, I don't know, Sam Rockwell in Moon, um, or even Spike Jones Her, the one with Joaquin Phoenix from a couple of years ago. I'm not going to say any more, and I have to apologize because we lost the first part of this interview. Entirely my fault. Uh, I dropped the recording equipment while I was trying to take a picture of everyone in the midst of recording. I've got to stop trying to do four things at once. So we begin mid-interview with director Eric Badros and cast members Heather Weeks and Taylor Graham. And I'm sorry to have lost that wonderful first section of the podcast, but I hope you will enjoy The remainder. Okay, we're back. As soon as
1: to get I will not try and do a group photo again. Oh, is that what (laughs) you... I was trying to do... I do appreciate that, though. That was nice. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll, we'll come in for a selfie. Uh, I need a stick. But, um, all right, uh, where was that cut off? So You
2: you were Uh, saying that uh, that
1: that nowadays this is the way that it has to be. You can do it for yourself. (laughs) Um, So, and then uh, you mentioned last night that you would come together actually with a different idea, and then
2: somehow everything morphed into this. so we we came together and we were just talking about like what we wanted to do individually in terms of themes and drama and stuff like that and uh, we wrote out a structure for a completely different like in my view completely unrelated script um, and that uh, took place in a, a snow cabin. We did know that we wanted it to be sort of in one place just to to keep the costs down, but. Um, yeah, it was like a snow cabin, and uh, it was like a big chill for our generation.
3: It was very much just a relationship piece yeah. about friends,
2: and you know, an that. ensemble piece. Definitely, yeah, definitely ensemble. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we started writing that. We got that written. I mean, we met weekly for about nine months or ten yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got that written, and then uh, we started cast the it. <laughs> we were finished casting basically. Yeah, basically. yeah. yeah like one yeah. choice, and. Um, and we had financing for it, and, you know, I was not feeling it, and we came together, and we were like, you know, we, not, we don't need to do this. But it was
3: great, because it wasn't pre-planned. Like, that decision, it wasn't anything we talked about before that moment. We just, we all came for a weekly meeting like we always did, and it was sort of to talk about moving into production. And we just looked at each other, and all unified, we're kind of like, are you, are you excited about this? Like, is this... I'm not I want to be more excited I feel like we should be more excited about this idea and we started just conversing about wanting to make a movie that we all wanted to go see and, and what would that movie entail and then slowly but surely everybody contributed I feel like a different element to what ultimately became Clue
1: mm-hmm. okay so uh, then other actions were let go
3: uh, really I still keep
2: in contact with them <laughs> well, in case ever anything would come up. All ta- they were all talented people. We're
1: again. sorry about that, Steve Martin.
2: Maybe next <laughs> yeah. time.
4: Uh, but at what point did you you do something you, you shifted into a science fiction film?
2: Uh, and well, how, did, how, did,
4: how did that reaction go? Everyone to yes
2: or? I, I don't. I don't know the actual answer to that. I um, I know that science fiction is one of my favorite genres, one of my in my view strongest genres Um, and I had like written a script um, in like 2006 that was like very much informed by Gerdel Escher-Bach and um, existence kind of thinking Mm -hmm. and I love these like, you know the Shyamalan films and stuff like that and so my take on it is is like, uh, You know, I have probably like five different types of films that are in me at all, so I only can choose between those five.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like we, you know, in part of... Taylor talked about this in the Q&A the other day, but just in part of those meetings, a lot of it was just talking about things, you know, meeting and talking about things that we're interested in just as people. And, you know, the types of movies... You know, Eric and I don't necessarily share all the same interest in film, but we both really geek out about movies like Cube, and just, you know, like, that type of psychological uh, film where you're trying to figure it out, and The Exam is another film like that, which I think is really great. And so, as we were talking about these things, you know, I remember very specifically, I had talked about an article that I thought was really cool that I had read that was just kind of about the idea that that part of our attraction to other humans is literally based on pheromones that you give off. And your your body is attracted to someone who has compatible DNA with your own. So just as a basic concept I was like, that's a really cool idea. I don't know how that's a movie, but I think it's interesting. And then during the course of all these conversations and Eric, you know, kind of ruminating with this and taking it home and somehow it it became the seed of an idea mm-hmm. that turns into I mean, a narrative. You, you both had a
1: chance to kind of develop your characters. Oh. Uh, Taylor, you said last night at the Q&A that you felt like almost daunted, a, a bit, uh, paraphrasing a bit, about the role because it was not what you usually offered. You kind of, kind of got to shape something that's different. What was different about what you usually get
0: casting calls for? Uh, well, basically, you know, it... This type of character is a guy who literally doesn't have any type of control whatsoever. I mean, he, he's. Very vulnerable. He's, he's put in a, a very uh, uh, huge disposition with this yeah. uh, wonderful psychotic woman. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, And not really in control of himself at the beginning of the film either. I it, mean, no, that, that's, no, that, no. That's it. I
1: would say, for obviously, many people listening will have heard it. Uh, Taylor plays an artist who has gone through a tragedy and thus become kind of a shut in, not to give it a twist away. At least that's what we're presented at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. in the future, which. An interesting take, so where apparently grocery delivery actually works really well. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a funny word, but what did you call it? Facilitation. facilitation, facilitation. Yes. If only society worked that way, <laughs> right? And that became a question for me is like how much world building beyond did you have? Because I, I think there were details that we didn't need to see for the film, and, and we didn't, but there were little clues at something bigger, like what is an artist doing in 2050? What purpose you, are you, you serving? You can't. This you
2: can't. I mean, to make a film that's internally consistent, uh, it just goes on and on and on and on. I mean, it's going. It's opening a rabbit hole. Like truthfully, like like you have to build out that world to an nth degree because if I don't, you guys will. You Is know it, what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, and, it, and it, not in an imaginative state, but like you'll build it out and be like, I'll be against it, and then I'm like. And, and I don't like I like to do my due diligence you know mm-hmm. I want to make sure that this thing is totally going to work yeah. and it's going to work for many many repeated viewings you know yeah. so uh, the world is, is pretty strong if you, if you keep going into it
1: Is it wish fulfillment that someday there will be a world government that will pay for artists to just exist?
3: <sighs> well I mean you know without saying too much about the movie itself I think it's something for the audience to, to decide about like how talented of an artist that they think that he even is that's and if that's, that's a
2: in, great point if that's
3: <laughs> if that's important exactly you know?
1: so I loved his clown paintings I thought they were the best <laughs> Right? <part>. Yeah, <laughs> the big <laughs> eyes <laughs> the big <laughs> eyes yeah go there um, okay <laughs> so what do you hope to have happen with this film now you, you premiered at CineQuest yeah yeah where do you go next Does it, I think I'd like it to
2: open a space portal <laughs> <home. laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do I? What well, I really is want Not the heaven. answer that I expected. Of. Well done. Oh, All right. Oh.
1: So uh, well, that would hands, be cool. I right?
2: should it, it, oh. ever exceed his grasp. of what's the heaven
1: for? <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Um, you know, I think we're interested in meeting people and having them see our movie and love our movie. Um, I think we're interested in next projects and coming up with what we're doing next. Yes. Um, it would be great if I got my investors some money back. Um,
6: Funny
2: that, yeah, Funny right. That. Um, is that another world? Works? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not um, in your world. No, I
6: saw no, it last yeah, night. Yeah, it was not, just fine. Right, right, right. right. Are they
4: investors or patrons? Because there's a big difference. Right,
2: right, right. There. I mean, you know, we have a lot of people who uh, love us and give us money. Um, hopefully, after
1: nice. we got to work on that.
2: Hopefully, <laughs> after this and people seeing it, it's money well spent. You know. Uh,
6: well,
2: you take on that money and I believe you have a fiduciary responsibility to get them that money back or Absolutely. get them some return on it. And, uh, uh you know, I, I, think it's irresponsible to sort of be totally in your own world and go off in other thing. That being said, um, I believe that people respond to authentic visions and I'm not the type of person who like goes down a route to pander to an audience, you know?
3: Well, I think um. it's interesting, actually, just the whole concept of like creating art for yourself or art for an audience. You know, do you make art for art's sake, or do you make it to make money? Or and that's kind of what that is. I think you have to make it and be it, in order to be good. It has to be genuine. It has to really be coming from yeah.
1: the question just got very
4: a meta.
3: Place, but <laughs> No,
1: I like that. Shh, <laughs> yeah. just, just go with it. Let it happen. But
3: at the same time, I do think that if you don't have any mindset of you know whether or not it's saleable, then it's it typically doesn't really go anywhere when you just make something for yourself and not with the audience in mind. It's you know it's they a, don't necessarily connect with it.
0: A, it's a tough balance. It's a strike did. allowing them to have an experience with you instead of you just taking on the experience all to yourself.
2: Yeah. yeah. And there's something also to be said for these things are not mutually exclusive.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: I don't. It doesn't sound like anybody here has a. I mean, I have a relatively mainstream sensibility, even though it's a weird mainstream sensibility. I When I do things for myself, they happen to be for others as well. There's nothing mutually exclusive I don't nice. think about these things. That's the geeks inherent here. Yeah, in yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> we got lucky this time around. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Next one. Yeah, a right. big No, that's <laughs> the question.
1: Do you see yourselves as, an ensemble, as, a, as a production team then? Like, you're going to continue? Maybe you'll go off and do other projects as other people offer you work I don't think we've thought about that Have you thought about, I haven't thought about it I'm that. sorry think, what is your life plan <laughs> yeah when are you going to make something of yourself Eric okay you know I, I'm sorry I became your mother for I apologize no I mean that is the. I know that's a tough question yeah. especially when you come here and you go you had a great experience you're having a good experience yeah. and is this like I, whenever I'm in an ensemble I think I don't want to break this up so yeah. is that what you guys feel
6: well I think it's cool to
3: finally put like a, a bow on something and feel like you've actually tied the first thing off you know and then I will say I definitely anytime that I creatively myself have some sort of idea about something I want to write in the future especially if it's this type of genre or something pseudo sci-fi or whatever I immediately think of these guys is, these are the only people that I could write something like that with you know I, I couldn't go out to any other writing partner and, like this is this is definitely this is the team for that type of work
1: All right. Very good.
4: Well, all right. Thank you. Just uh, I have to ask, Taylor, sure. can you drop? Can you grow a beard at
0: the drop of a beard? <laughs> It's 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 strange. Uh, <laughs> That's it's funny you asked that. I ran into a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a while, and uh, before I was going to come here, and I we should say he was clean shaven last night. And
1: now full <laughs> yes, beard, and of course it takes me six <laughs> months to grow. <laughs> right, right. right,
6: I
0: used to be that, and then mine comes in gray now. So. Uh. It, I ran into an old friend and I was like, "Hey, how are you?" And the guy looked at me like he didn't know me, and um, he really didn't recognize me because of the beard. And his first uh, off-the-cuff comment, he's like, "Oh man, that's you! Oh my god! Like, like man, you, you grow a beard! Like, that's that's like Alaskan strong! Oh yeah, that's Alaskan strong! That's an <laughs> Alaskan strong beard! We might man. have a podcast title: you know? <laughs>
6: Alaska Alaskan strong." strong. <laughs>
0: Well, in the
4: movie, it, it definitely felt like it was a transition for your character yeah. too, yeah, the beard absolutely. was shorn. There's a whole Delilah thing going on where she's shaving you. And- yeah.
2: What was really funny about that is, um, I think in the past few years we've had a little bit of the straight straight blades uh-huh. in movies. Yeah. We had a, that straight blade as a yeah. as a piece in it um, that we cut the scene because it was a little too uh, intense for him her to be shaving his, his face with yeah. that after you know. Um, But, like, I went home, and I wanted to test it out to make sure it was, like, even possible to do this without them hurting, you know, one of them. And my wife tried to do this to me, and it was the most terrifying thing in the world. Like, never, ever, ever try that. It's so terrifying. And it's, like, the person you trust most in the world, and yet you would not let I mean, I was like, she did that. I was like, I'm out. Like, there's no way.
4: Yeah. I also think it's worth noting that Taylor, amid all the noise of the Fairmont, was so cautious and careful in setting his beer down on the table where the microphone is, and I appreciate that. He's a professional. He's a professional. It's, it's, it's sound. Very good. It's thoughtful, sound. thoughtful in all things.
3: Which,
0: it's interesting that we're doing this interview here, that we've wrapped up the film because this whole creation, the whole writing process took place at a hotel. Oh, yeah. Oh, at a lobby. Uh, bar, yeah. At, uh, uh, yeah, the Beverly, Beverly Hilton. Hill. With a piano. With a piano. <laughs> that is like, right. And for a some violinist. reason, That's we've always right. been sitting a by a piano. Too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a great way to kind of... Uh, wasabi nuts. Put a button on it. We can get them <laughs> if
1: you <laughs> need yeah. them. We and eat, wasabi, can, nuts. The wasabi nuts. Yep. And $30 mojitos. They yeah. do occasionally... And then <laughs> throw yeah. Charles
0: Barkley in the mix. Oh,
1: yeah, oh, Charles Barkley was... was uh, oh, he was a joke. huge influence on the film. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the literacy of the dialogue yeah, reminded yeah. me a lot of his commentary. So, <laughs> very good. Well, thank you guys for sitting down. and are Glad we could bring it in full circle. thank you guys for having And so, there's still... By the time this podcast goes up, will we... So we'll have screenings left. If not, you will find Clue because I know it's at least on IMDB. I looked it up last night, so you're you're listed. We can find it and yeah. hope for the great things for you guys in the future.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
4: Oh, and and the if people want to find out about it, the website is uh
2: ClueMovie.com. C-L-E-W movie.com. Excellent.
0: Thank but
2: you. how do you spell movie? <laughs> M-U-V-M-E yeah. Movie wow.
5: Movie.
1: Move. An H in there, maybe. <laughs> it's uh, an it's an
5: an H. H. Oh, that was the
4: other thing: was the pronunciation of the letters. The Gaba, Gaba, Gambeha, Gambeha. that
2: it's it's a some, ger- it's the German LLC. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so, oh. so there were. This is what I'm talking about. Worldview is I believe that uh, you're going to have to do some serious work to beat out the Germans in a lot of things. One of which will be uh, corporate corporation building and legal. So Gamba-Ha is their LLC. Okay. Um and the way I thought about it was that the people it was a relatively new thing that GmbH was becoming yeah. like international and so people were still having a hard time uh with the pronunciation. So it wasn't like LLC they were like uh, it's LLC. You know, so that's why it's got a little bit of a, a, a lilt to it. Mm-hmm. So GmbH is for the phonetic that's the pronunciation. pronunciation of it. of those yeah, letters it's in like galashred Raft mit bin. Harf or something. It's, you can look it up. It's like thank I, I was well, back to it day <laughs> no, I had, yes. I did not know before. Yeah. So now you know. It. Yeah.
1: And I know. Now I'm working. You're <laughs> <laughs> not supposed to mention that on the podcast. No. No. Don't. No. <laughs> I would cut some of this out now anyway. Because <laughs> we said thank you like three times and ended it. I love uh, this part though. I know you do, engineers. <laughs> so
2: okay. Awesome! Thank like you, you very so much. much. Thanks, I'm so picture. glad that you guys uh, that we that you guys pulled this together
4: like now. So do go and check out Clue C L E W at Clue the Movie C L E W M O V I E dot com. There is no the in there, is there? So next up, Derek got to sit down with the star of the House on Pine Street. Yes, indeed, the lovely and talented Emily Goss. So, let's listen in.
6: Shh. All right.
1: We are sitting down with Emily Goss, who is the, we could say the star, of The House on Pine Street, which had its world premiere last night at Cinequest. Was it, was it actually the world premiere? Because I thought you are in two festivals simultaneously? Or?
7: Well, yes. We, we had a world premiere last night, and then Aaron, Austin, Natalie, and Natalie's family, are on their way to Fargo. They're on the road to Fargo wow. as we speak.
1: So San Jose did get it first. All right, they good. They got it first. But, but um, Fargo gets it we'll later screening, this
7: week. Exactly. we are screening Wednesday night in Fargo. I'm flying out uh, with Monique Thomas, our production designer, on Tuesday.
1: Okay, okay. So th- was that the first time that you, last night that you'd gotten to see it with a full audience?
7: No, fortunately. We had a cast and crew screening in uh, Kansas City, Back in December. And we got to share the film with the community with which we made it. All the women in whose houses we shot. The little girls in the birthday party scene. All the extras. um, All of our friends and family. Not mine, because I'm I'm from the Bay Area. But a lot of the crew and cast... Uh, we're based in Kansas.
1: And did your family get to come down last night to see it?
7: No, but they're coming to the screening on Monday okay. at Cinéquest. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be there and get to see it with my parents um, <laughs> before I go to Fargo. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: fine. But that's fun.
7: yeah, screening it in Kansas was really special. And the community was such a large part of that film that it was amazing to share it with them first.
1: Cool. Now, um Pardon me for forgetting this part of the, of the history of the film. Uh, I know that the, a lot of the crew were from USC. I can't remember if you had been at USC as well. Did they know you before?
7: Yeah, I studied theater at USC. I was at the School of Dramatic Arts and did student films with Monique and Sebastian, our DP, and then after graduating, I met Aaron and Austin through other USC friends.
1: Okay, and Aaron and Austin are the directors for those listening. And I don't think we get to catch them because yes. they're already on the way to Fargo. <laughs> uh, but Aaron and Austin uh, went back to Kansas City after graduating and, mm-hmm. uh, and started this film. And then yeah. somehow they were auditioning and got and went, oh, why don't we use Emily's? Yeah, they... They didn't think of you first? How dare they? <laughs>
7: Uh, well, they wanted to use local talent
1: mm-hmm.
7: um, because it was such a it was such a hometown experience for them. And yeah, so immediately after graduating from USC, Aaron and Austin Keeling and Natalie Jones all moved into an apartment together. The three of them had been lifelong friends, so they moved in together. They started writing this script. Eight months later, we started shooting, and a year and a half later, we screened it
1: pretty fast turnaround. So <laughs> w- were you uh, familiar with or even interested in the horror genre before you became the centerpiece of this?
7: Well, gosh, it's so much fun, isn't it? It's it's such a it's such an ex- you know, you get to, as an actress, you get to use your imagination so much. So much of it relies on me creating the ghost and you know, cuz I'm just in in a lot of it, I'm like walking from room to room, looking around, opening doors, but in my head, I I get to embroider this elaborate story, and and I I love that. So I was I as soon as I graduated school, I was like, oh, I'd love to be in a horror movie and just get to dive into that.
1: Yeah, and we'll, we'll say for people listening. As a horror film, you're right. It, it is one of those where I, I would imagine as an actor, everything is in your head mm. because so much was suggested. Mm. You know, uh, This was re- recommended to us by uh, Mike Rabel, the programming director, who said it's, it was like The Conjuring. And I went, yeah, okay. But it reminded me even more of the original The Haunting, where mm. everything was in performance and lights, and light and shadow and sound and not a lot of effects, though you did get to do some wire work.
7: Absolutely. That was a dream come true. <laughs> um yeah, it's it was very important to them that the movie be character driven, and that it appealed to people who weren't interested in the horror tropes, who weren't interested in gore, who weren't interested in jump scares. Um, so we, there's a lot of story there, but then there's an incredible uh, stunt sequence, and uh, it fulfilled my my lifelong dream of. Being Jackie Chan and getting to do my own stunts.
5: <laughs> that's a good lifelong dream. Now, the thing I ask
1: is every time I watch a horror film like this is at the first sign of Ghost, why didn't your character just run the hell out of that house and never go back? <laughs> you know.
7: Well, there's a lot. That's I, The script is so beautifully put together because yes. uh, my character, Jennifer, is recovering from a mental breakdown. And... And so she's very she shattered emotionally at the beginning of the film. And her husband and her mother are trying to take care of her. And she doesn't trust herself. She's, she puts her trust in other people. And, and these people aren't experiencing the ghosts. And they're telling her that it's all in her head. And so she tries to accept that as much as she can Mm -hmm. until she just can't.
1: And I think uh, one thing that marks the film is for uh, the the first quarter at least there really isn't any sign of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, there are people looking at her strangely which I took as they'd heard gossip in a small town what had happened and so, did feel like yeah, this could just be a drama about a woman putting her her mind back together. Mm-hmm. Only it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, which which I really like about that. But how did you put yourself in that? And the correct answer can be, good heavens, I'm an actor boy. But. uh <laughs> But you know, you're obviously well. Hopefully, you're not someone who's had a mental breakdown. You're not never, you know, not pregnant with a mm-hmm. child. You have ambivalence towards, right? Um, you know, Thanks I mean, fully. I mean, it is it, it, I mean, an interesting psychic, psychological dilemma. Yeah. And then you have to put yourself in there. And you, mm. and I said to you last night, I saw the pain. And what mm. I mean is meeting you. And then seeing you on screen, your face looked very different to me without makeup. It was the way you were holding it, and I could see tension. So, how? What were you doing to put yourself in that?
7: Oh, thank you. Um, gosh, I don't know. Let's see. I I try and make sure I have an active, an active um, internal life that I that I am always that I have I'm always thinking. In character um and and trying to just fully fully live in that moment i i <laughs> let's see how ineloquent i can be but um i did i did a lot of preparation with backstory I, I fully created uh just so i knew what happened in chicago there's a lot of alluding to it um I wanted to know exactly what happened how I got there um, and and building that gave me a very a very good place to start from it gave me something firm to hold on to and um, and so I just as long as I could hold on to that that created buoy um, I felt. I felt I felt safe, and I felt that I could that I okay. I was. Or I so don't know. You just you create a you create a point I of view as a character. Down. There's there's always Please, a click, really you know, to to quote a cat on a hot tin roof. You know, you find the click. And with Jennifer, there's there's one thing that she does that's revealed in the film that is it's pretty horrific, but she committed this act. Or she attempted to. And I knew that. That's in the script. And so as soon as I justified that, as soon as I found a logic behind that, that was the click. And that's the character's point of view. And so once I had the point of view, that was a pair of glasses I could put on and and everything I was seeing and experiencing, I could filter through those lenses, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, <laughs> I hope no, that it d- does. That, that does. You, and
1: you, had, you said you're a theater, not a not a film acting major, so it, mm-hmm. did I catch on IMDb, you've done some work with the Pasadena Playhouse, as well as so yes. you do a lot of a lot of stage yeah, work. Yeah,
7: I, I am a huge believer in L.A. theater, and it has been very good to me. I, I love film and television, and I hope to have both... You know, stage and screen always in my life, but uh, I, I find I find yeah. film acting similar to stage acting. You know, it's all the same. It's just uh, you adjust the temperature.
1: Well, especially I think in a horror film where we expect something a little more, mm. uh, a little bigger. Right, no, I, I right. Well, all right. I think that, that that kind of comes it. Thank you so much for taking my some time pleasure. to talk about this film. Absolutely. the house on Pine Street, which. I am hoping we'll be coming to a theater near you listeners. Uh very well I don't know I say very soon. I don't know what the process <laughs> is. Like you have to go through a lot of festivals and then yes. and then and then you can talk to Right, distributors. we're we're
7: hunting distributors um, and but we're we're very hopeful. We're
1: good. Great. Scary film. I recommend it. Thank you again.
7: Thank you so much, Derek.
1: Uh, this is the addendum to the Emily Goss interview because <laughs> probably the most crucial question for anybody working on a horror film, do you believe in ghosts?
7: Absolutely. I've, I've never experienced ghosts. Um, most of the cast and crew on The House on Pine Street have had some kind of supernatural experience. Um, I haven't, but I totally think ghosts are real. There, there, are too many people have too many stories, too many experiences. Well,
1: yeah, don't, don't, don't swipe Monique stories. But since you're representing everybody else, maybe there's one. Did you have any experiences in the house itself? Because sometimes I hear that. We talked to a horror, some horror film guys last year. Uh, did a film called I always have to tout it because it's a great movie, "Love mm. in the Time of Monsters," and they were up and they were up in a, a like one of those redwood resorts. Oh! And they said that there was a ghost of a woman who had died there that they had to make peace with early on in order to not get their script pages messed up and stuff like that. So. Wow. Um, yeah, so tell us that. I mean, there you are in, this, in these old houses that automatically, to me, always look creepy. Like oh, You don't yeah. have to do anything. <laughs> and i got to say, the inside front door was the thing that irritated me. When you closed and saw that door, oh, I'd be go, like, I'm moving out of this house right now. There's <laughs> nothing about this house that is healthy. Uh, <laughs> so, and that's probably why it made the haunting connection with me, because mm. the wallpaper and the haunting does that and breathes, and the lighting is changing. You know, so. Yeah,
7: the house was built in a- the 1840s. <laughs> okay. Isn't that nuts? Wow, um, And there were a few experiences. There's a seance scene. Jennifer's best friend from Chicago comes to visit. And the two women go into the basement to try and summon ghosts, to try and uh, figure out, you know, if there is anything going on in the house. And our sound guy, awesome sound guy, based in Kansas City, uh, Kansas City, C.J. Jameller, he... He talked to our AC and also our producer, Natalie Jones. He was like, Natalie, can you tell them to shut up upstairs? I'm picking up talking, you know. And so Natalie went upstairs. By the way, the talking
1: we're picking up is actually people talking, <laughs> so we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fairmont wait, wait, may be haunted, but what this talking? is not talking. You know. I don't hear talking. Damn it, I hate this. It's like we <laughs> walked in and we Last night there were clowns on stilts in the lobby. <laughs> like, I was asking you—you are all seeing this, right? <laughs> <laughs>
7: oh man! So CJ asks our producer Natalie to go upstairs and and tell everyone to stop talking because we're shooting. So Natalie goes upstairs and the only person there is Taylor Bottles, the actor who plays Luke, and he's sitting in a chair reading. She's like, Luke, were you talking? I mean, Taylor, are you talking? And he wasn't. He he says no. So Natalie and New- Luke, I keep calling him Luke. Um, Natalie and Taylor just just go outside, and they just you know kind of get the hell out of there because CJ was picking up talking on the microphone, and there was another instance where there was an echo picked up in our production sound uh, that that cannot be accounted for. Okay. And it's in the film. You really can't hear it. Um, but because it was just in the production sound, and there was really nothing they could do about it. Yeah, it
1: just sort of showed up. And went, okay. Yeah. And then you had, you know, you were dealing with, I don't know how old that little boy was. Not The, the baby mm. may be a little nervous, honestly, too. But, uh, but, the, but the little boy, because uh-huh. we know kids... Uh, and you had a very intense scene with him, but you we mm. were talking last night about how the kid he to him about like there's a ghost here, yeah. and started mm. saying it. Didn't mm-hmm. that just creep the hell out of all of you? And just like,
7: <laughs> <laughs> no, we were like, like this is gold. I'm like nobody breathed. This is perfect. Like it was, it was
1: true. true we artists just had to, to go, yeah. you capture the moment. It's we'll yeah. wet our pants later. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, yeah, because it was very intense. Uh, yeah. So did did he keep that up? I mean, did you feel like he was actually seeing something, or he was just randomly putting it together because kids will do that?
7: Who can say? Um, he he was such a such a trooper on set. He we had so much fun with him. His parents are wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, friends of Natalie, our producers, and um, and so we'll never know.
4: All right. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. And uh, post that interview, Derek is very excited about uh, always asking our guests if they believe in ghosts. And so I ask you, listener, do you believe in ghosts? And if you do, write to editor at fanboyplanet.com and uh, you can be sure your answer will be read on a future podcast. And if you're looking for more information on the house on Pine Street go to www.thehouseonpine street there's no funny spelling in there at all thehouseonpine street.com now we have the singular pleasure of interviewing the star of astrea the movie which as i said before is a coming of age film set after the apocalypse I think that's all the introduction we need here
1: all right we are here at cinequest this is i don't know if this will be chronologically the last in this podcast but it is the last interview we are conducting we'll here at yeah absolutely um, we're gonna get you that, that adrenaline shot later uh that <laughs> uh with naria duhart this is the last interview we're, we're recording at cinequest and naria is the one of the first movies i saw here i guess because it was last friday was when it premiered yes Astraea. Which, if you want to catch the Twitter or the Facebook, is Estrella uh, the movie, A-S-T-R-A-E-A. I've tweeted it out quite a bit this <laughs> past couple of weeks. So, um, which is, I have no better high concept for it than a post-apocalyptic coming-of-age drama, and yet I still feel that it's somehow so short what the film actually is. So, uh, but that's what fits on the poster. So, Norea, uh, let's talk about it. How did you get involved in this film?
6: Chris Thor, the, uh, the director, and Ashlyn Halfnight, the writer, were working on a play which I was cast in. And it just so happened that they were working on Estrella and casting it at the same time, and they asked me to come in for an audition. And I had never worked on film and TV before, so I went in uh, blind, and thankfully I got it. And soon after, we were filming a month in Maine.
1: A month in Maine, and a cold month in Maine, I will very assume, cold. as well. Yes. yes. Uh, not to spoil anything there, but, you know, that that is very, very, you know, very, how what was that like working through all that?
6: Well, the premise of the film, uh, why it's set in the snow, is because of the post-apocalyptic feel of all the bodies were hidden under the snow. Um, so technically it was A cheap very way well. to do the apocalypse, people! <laughs> exactly, exactly. Filmmakers
1: <laughs> take note. <laughs> yes.
6: Um, and it was a <laughs> but great... But nobody
1: ever snapped in the snow and went, ooh, Because it's deep, okay. Yeah, it's
6: very deep, and (laughs) we stay away.
1: We don't know what snow really is.
6: (laughs) Yeah, go to New York right now; it's treacherous. Yeah. Um, Bodies. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. bodies everywhere. It's terrible. (laughs) No, but uh, it's. We were sponsored by North Face, so we had a lot of gear, um, and that helped us out a lot. I have never been in the snow before until then, so that was a new feeling. And running through the snow was much harder than you'd imagine. But it was a lot of fun the whole time.
1: Yeah, did you have to do any special preparation, training, because one, Astrea, the title character is also kind of, it's this bit of a survivalist thing. Yes. Um, So, you know, is it something you automatically knew how to do, handle the rifle, all that stuff, or did they go through a lot of rehearsal and training for you?
6: I had never held an axe before, I had never held a a handheld gun before, never held a rifle before, and I had never been in the snow before, so I couldn't have been less equipped for this film and I... But at
1: the audition you said yes I can do all that right?
6: Yes they did (laughs) I mean they asked me and I said I'll do it no matter what so I got there we did a couple of takes of chopping wood I got blisters but it's really exhilarating and there's something about doing it for the first time and catching it on film that's very exciting Mm -hmm. and I mean the biggest thing to work on for this type of film is, or dystopian or post-apocalyptic is the silence mm-hmm. that doesn't exist so much these days especially for my generation and I remember on our first day of shooting Chris came up to me and said come outside with me for a second walk walk across this frozen lake come over to this little island and I was like oh my god what's happening the sun is down, everything's so quiet I can hear the the cars from miles away and we're walking through this tiny piece of forest and I can hear every single branch cracking under my feet. And he makes us sit there, me, Scotty, and Jess, the other two characters in the film. And we just sit there and he asks us, what can you hear? And I said, cars, and he's like, what else? And simultaneously I could hear the car from miles away and I could hear the twig under my feet and that was something that was very shocking to me and that made my mind slow down by a hundredfold and that was the greatest education for this film. Do
1: you feel now there are moments when you'd like to go back out of that patch of, the patch of woods and just have that quiet and that slow down.
6: Yes, it's very difficult because people say, okay, action. And so action means seeing something happening on screen, right? So you're sitting there going, um, oh, okay, okay. And Chris go, cut. Just sit there. Just do what I'm asking you. Just sit there. So I take a deep breath and just sit there and... Sooner or later you'd be like, Cut, that's exactly what I wanted, thank you. And you're like, What? <laughs> well, yeah. this is insane.
1: Predominantly movie is very calm, very,
6: yeah. very yes. quiet. Which
1: and maybe it's it would be a question unfortunately Chris didn't fly back tonight, but um, to ask. I mean the thing one of the things that impressed me about it was how he could get so many long stretches of quiet mm, mm-hmm. because the totally story because we don't well I mean no just to get this to get the shot sure because right. we are at a place where there's always a plane overhead yes. the thing that the closest i have ever experienced in my lifetime would be honestly 912 911 cuz we were we, you know, right. we were near an airport and they grounded the planes that was the first time in my life you didn't have that right. constantly overhead
6: mm-hmm. it was very
1: odd so very interesting for you to be there. And now, you mentioned you big stage background. You're what we would call a classically trained, right, yes. actress? Where did you go, and, and how did that prepare you?
6: I went to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts.
1: There's a plug.
4: I'm just covering. Yeah. We've got a little wind coming Sincere. across the mic. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
6: I went to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. Um, I did an extra year in theater to get better at acting in general. And as I graduated Chris called me up and said you got the part and I went straight into it and Chris had worked with my school before so he knew how I worked and that was a great education because once you graduate with all of this knowledge you think okay well what's going to happen now but for somebody to have the same vocabulary as you really gets the best performance out of you
1: and he had a big stage background he and I talked about that unfortunately not on the recording we were just talking and realized oh we have this theater background so Um, Do you think that's kind of spoiled you for what might happen next on film for you? Being in theater? No, being with a director who speaks the theater vocabulary. Right. Or would you rather just, you're going to go off and be a stage actress from here on out?
6: Well, I did, the only reason I did the theater year was to get better at the film and TV year. Because there's sort of an unspoken rule, whether it be true or not, that if you're good at theater, you get better at film. But if you only do film, it's very hard to do theater.
1: Sir Ian McKellen agrees. With you. Yes. Well set, Well spoken. The
6: legend. Uh, so I did. The, that's the only reason I did theater was to get better at film and TV, and it turned out really well. When I did the film and TV year at my school, I found I was a lot more advanced than most people. So that was a great investment. Okay, and for Chris to be able to speak to me in such a way that I understood, it got the best out of film acting and you know story and, and quirky moments that don't usually happen on film.
1: And now, what is next for you that we talk about? As we need to get on tape here, or not tape, on digital, is that um, you are in a web series upcoming about yes. cosplay, so you're just going to keep intersecting with the Fanboy Planet world. And it's called Three Days of Glory? Yes. All right, and you have been cosplaying for a while, so why don't you talk about that experience as a soft sure. player?
6: Yes, um, so I went to New York Comic Con two years ago. My friend had this incredible outfit of shadow cat and she got all of her photos everybody wanted a photo with her and i remember i was dressed as a closet cosplay as jubilee so not as many people wanted a photo and i remember a person that was working in in comic-con came up to me and said do you always hold her bags while people take photos of her and i said yeah and he said don't worry you'll be up there one day and he gave me free tickets for my friends and I so that was a great sort of starting point of like you know what the smaller things do matter and when I heard about this web series um, the director is George Delida he he lives in New York City and most of the cast lives in New York City it really intrigued me because 90% of the cast is not an actor is an active cosplayer and YouTube cosplayer as well Okay. Um, Kristen has a show, Shut Up Kristen, and she cosplays all the time.
1: I have heard of it. Yeah.
6: Yes, and she's in it. And a bunch of other incredible people, I remember. Uh, one girl dresses as Tony Stark and spends three hours putting on her fake beard every time we're about to shoot.
1: It's a dedication to Yes, I absolutely.
6: Absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, to be in this world is really... Uh, it's a great education for me because... They know a lot more than I do. Kudos to them. They try a lot. Like they, every year they go to Comic Con. They're adamant about it. And what I, what this comic, uh, what this web series is about, is the struggles of being popular in Comic Con. Um, they keep bringing up the fact that being nerdy is cool now. So now there are these celebrities at Comic-Con. Yes. And so Kristen is one of the celebrities in this web series, and another girl is also a celebrity and how they fight within each other. This girl that dresses as Tony Stark is, spoiler alert, is bullied and beat up for being transsexual. And for dressing like a man and acting like a man. It's some. Um,
4: is that actually her, her preference? It is, is. Yes, so that's she is. That's her
6: in everyday life, okay. and she she loves Tony Stark. There's a lot
4: of crossplay and cosplay as well as mm. that, that isn't necessary. But this is a true transgender Right. Yeah, yes, situation. this is a true
6: yes. And uh, for example, in the web series, she gets beat up. She's trying to find her own place. Um, she's treated as a loser in this place where a lot of people think oh, well, this isn't as popular. But no, high school still continues in the Comic-Con world or even in the office world. world. In the real world, exactly.
1: It's a sad thing they don't tell you in high school. (laughs) No, it'll be over.
6: Yeah, exactly. Never. And it's interesting because... Mike Rabel
1: is a bully. Okay, (laughs) it gets better.
6: Yes. My brother in the web series um, plays a very attractive, sort of nonchalant, cool cosplayer that gets all the chicks... And that's interesting because for me in high school, I was I was never the cool kid. I was the weird actor who wanted to act like an animal all the time. And now all of a sudden, I'm this cool person in this web series. So it's a very interesting world to sort of, it's topsy-turvy.
1: Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, all right.
6: Feels pretty
1: cool, yeah. <laughs> now, in your time as a cosplayer, does, have they gotten you into comics? Are you are you reading anything to say, like, oh, I want to play this person? Or is it still mostly, like... Marvel movies or the DC movies?
6: Yes, Marvel movies, DC movies. Still, my passion lies in film, and my favorite genre is sci-fi fantasy. All the Hobbit, the Hobbit films, the Lord of the Rings films. Um, my favorite film is Beetlejuice. Things like that are my goal to be in, and that plays into the Comic Con world and also plays into the film acting world. So, i in between.
1: Excellent. So, do you have uh, what would you like to have happen in the next two years for your career? After this web series, are you auditioning? Are you doing plays again? Are you doing?
6: Yes, I'm dedicating uh, my life to acting. I don't have like a side job. It's 100% auditioning, as much as I can get. Um, been auditioning for a couple of things. I still live in New York City. This week, I'm going out to LA to see what happens. And oh, good luck. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see. One day, I hope to be in the sci-fi fantasy genre.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Well, thank you guys. Love the movie. Hope that. Uh, that people listening will be able to see it at a theater near them soon. Yes. Uh, do, have we heard any word on that? Nothing yet?
6: Nothing yet. Okay, Exciting. well,
1: fingers crossed. It really yeah. is a great great, great movie. Great fun. And uh, if you find it at a local film festival or something, go see it. Astraea. Wonderful, wonderful film. Thank you.
6: Thank you very much.
4: Well, thanks, Naria Duhart, for that interview. And, of course, thanks to everyone we spoke to for the interviews. We really had a great time at CineQuest this year. Thanks, to the whole Cinequest family for having us out there, for being parts of the podcast that we did, and all the articles that are still available for you to read on fanboyplanet.com. If you have questions, comments, criticisms, if you want to tell us whether or not you believe in ghosts, please write to editor at fanboyplanet.com. So, standing in for Derek McCaw and Nate Costa... This is your host, Rick Brettsnyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good. And
5: And Uh,
4: And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.
6: The power of brains compels you.
4: Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fan boy.
5: Thank
0: you very much. <laughs> um, next right. up is... All uh, right. So next up is... All right, he's a gentleman over here. No. Hi. Hi. This is Rick, my uh,
1: podcast producer. Okay. And we met earlier. Yeah, wrote we the did profile. meet, yes. Yeah.
5: We
4: are recording.
1: Okay. We are here at Cinequest with Lawrence Kasdan, or would you prefer that I call you Larry? Uh, Lawrence is fine. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, of course... Uh, uh, got the Maverick Spirit Award, uh, yes. but several awarded. Am I Spirit, speaking to here? Uh, no. uh, Are we done with I Thank
6: you?